Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. This is really the conclusion of our Falcon and the Winter Soldier coverage as we are on the finale, One World, One People. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, that, that laugh you hear uh, from Howard, we'll get to him in a second, but let's introduce the panel first. Uh, the super producer, Jake Christie's in the house. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this episode because if anything it gave us a lot to talk about most certainly does for sure and uh jerome chang will be along with us a little bit later uh we do have back this week with us uh the she's taking the interview she's taking the comic book world by storm she's taking it all stephanie williams is in the house what's up steph hey um i knew you were gonna do that for the introduction i was like way to (laughs) way to set the bar um, but I am so happy to be talking about this finale because it's over. <laughs> That's definitely one way to put it. And uh, also returning with us this week, um, the great Howard Bryant, senior writer at ESPN. I know Howard has plenty to say. Howard, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I am good. I am good. I am good. I watched a, I gave it a second watch just to make sure that I was sharp. Make sure my game was tight. Lots to discuss. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's jump right into it. Um, I really do want to get into just like initial thoughts from the finale, and then we can kind of jump around and have a conversation kind of like we did last week. Steph, you weren't on with us uh, last week. So I'll start with you. Your initial thoughts on what this finale was and what kind of happened? You know, um, I wasn't necessarily disappointed because the finale uh, gave me the same energy as the entire series, which wasn't a lot. (laughs) So it was fine. Um, I did feel like it was a little disjointed, similar to WandaVision, but I'm pretty sure that was probably because of the COVID edits. Um, I was not happy with uh, the Carly ending, although I did see that coming. Um, And, you know, I, I thought it, wrap things up well enough because again like the finale gave the same exact energy as like the the sum total of the the series or whatever so um you know it was a finale it was a finale oh. that's certainly one way to put it wow. howard uh, howard what are your initial thoughts on the finale stephanie williams just trashed the series <laughs> i mean i'm I mean, being cute about it I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know what it was for you? It sounds like this whole, all six episodes were just lukewarm. It was a finale. And that's, that is absolutely one way to put it. Um, I thought that um, going back from what we talked about last week, if we were continuing that conversation, I thought that the theme of the second half of our conversation last week was all about sticking the landing. Were they going to stick the landing? And on first watch, I was like, I'll take five plus one because the landing didn't get stuck. (laughs) You didn't stick the landing. And then watching it again this afternoon, I had the exact same thoughts that I had the first time I watched it. And we can sort of get into into those. But um, a lot to pack into a finale. You know, it felt very similar to WandaVision that you didn't have enough time to answer these questions. And... And also the choices that you made to answer them, I didn't think were the best choices. Mm. How are you better preach? 
<laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, we, yeah, we go, we gonna dive in, Howard. Trust both Howard and Steph. We gonna get right back to y'all soon enough. Um, Jake, uh, what were your initial thoughts on the finale? I think that we actually had a brief discussion in our group chat, the three of us, about right afterwards. And I think that we, I, I thought of a good like analogy about it is that I think that people mistake things being wrapped up for that, like always being the best thing. It's like, I just want everything to be wrapped up in the finale. But the way I said it is like, they wrapped it up. Like I wrap up Christmas gifts where I use way too much tape and I don't actually, it doesn't look neat. It's like, just cause they answered questions doesn't mean that they made the right decisions. And that I think in some cases in the show, they actually probably would have been better off not trying to answer it as fully as they did. And I think that they were really just trying to like, okay, what are all the loose ends we have to tie down? And I think if anything, that kind of speaks to like, I think how some of the analysis of comic book TV shows has kind of ruined them in some ways where it's like, you should be, the telling a good story should be much more important than like, how is this going to get resolved at the end? But, and I think that we, it, all, it goes back to, again, what we talked about is it's, I think that what Howard mentioned with them trying to wrap all the stuff up is the thing you're always going to get when you try to make a movie into a miniseries because movies are structured differently than TV shows. And if you try to make, if you, a movie is not, five sixths buildup and then one sixth resolution it's much more gradual than that but with the way that a tv show works is that there's buildup for the first episodes five episodes and then you have to have like a movie's worth of climax in the sixth episode which just doesn't work it it, it why i think inevitably if you don't start structuring these like actual tv shows i think you're always going to run into this problem where it's like where people are gonna be so excited for the finale and then disappointed because it's like, yeah, no shit, you can't resolve all of it in uh, an hour episode because that's not how stories should be structured. No story should be structured in a way where the first five fifths, I mean, five sixths of it is built up. That just doesn't have, isn't how stories work. No, very no, special no, season finale of our house, right? I mean, it doesn't, yeah. you, can't, <laughs> you can't do that with these types of stories. And a exactly. very special Cosby show, right? To just close it down. <laughs> mm. uh, Jerome, what are your thoughts on the finale? Initially. Both teams played hard. <laughs> You're that kid telling LeBron, good oh. job, good effort. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, can't fault the effort. Can't fault the effort. Uh, I, I don't know, for Marvel, it's kind of... It's kind of weird, like, we, I don't exactly expect them to nail the ending at this point, that I was yeah. just kind of like, all right, you know, it kind of went the way I thought it was going to, and, like, Jake did such a good job of breaking down at least, like, how you structure out a season or a story, and how trying to wrap everything up in the last sixth of it will probably either feel like, a like, we, so... When we had that chat after the episode, we were both saying the same thing, but describing it differently. I was just saying like it was yeah. tidy, but I didn't mean tidy in the way that it was like well put together. It was almost right. just like, let's brush everything we could under the rug and come out clean in the end, as opposed to giving it like a thorough, you know, finish, I guess. So the floor yeah. looks clean, but your house is a mess. Right. Let me tell you. I mean, and I've been there. Um, and, and the other thing too, is just, you know, like a really good example for it, for me is the resolution of the power broker. We were going through this whole season, just being like, it's probably Sharon, but it seems way too 
like mm-hmm. convenient for it to just like end up that way that you know it's almost just um but i don't know yeah, i don't even it, know how you put it together is it her i mean it, it's her on screen but is sure it, is it really i mean obviously it was her on screen but by the end of this you know by the end of the the easter egg she's on the phone talking to somebody else right so, right like she's yeah she like it's i mean like it still seems like she's the care to the power broker and who she's yes. like associating with which makes know, her the power broker right which makes her the power right. broker and, and emily van camp the actress uh she confirmed as such um mm-hmm. Malcolm spellman the showrunner also said that this was something that marvel wanted to do because they like the, they not only like the character but they wanted to keep her around now i wouldn't necessarily agree with that and actually we'll get to that topic in a second but i just kind of want to give my initial thoughts on the finale here and um, I think Jake made a great point in terms of not only structure, but just just the, and Howard with the choices aspect of it. You could kind of put all the all of those things together. And it's just it, it felt weird in a lot of ways. But and again, we all kind of reiterate the same thing as we're not we weren't expecting anything else. Now, I know me personally, I listened to a podcast that Nate Moore did where he talked about, oh, wow, episode five is going to be the thing that ties the themes together. It's going to be so important and integral to the series. And it's going to it's gonna be this really great episode. It's going to make people tear up. It's going to make people cry. It's going to be a great episode. And my first thought when he said all of that was, what about your finale? What's your finale going to be? Yeah. Right. Well, like if you're, and, and this is the episode same thing. Episode five could have been the finale. It really could have really been could've. opening up right. the world that we would have like gotten into. And, you know, open the box, see you when they come back. It's the Avengers. Full stop. As I, as we talked about in the chat, WandaVision was structured like a television show. So therefore it made it easier to do the types of things that it was trying to do. I would actually say that it was, it was and wasn't. I think that well, in true. the beginning it was, I think the last few episodes of WandaVision weren't. Well, it turned the into last, an MCU yeah, yeah. The last thing, which they said it was going movie. to. Yeah. And the more yeah. that they did that, that's where the problems came in terms of not only the structure, which we talk about, but just the way that you're trying to wrap up stuff. And it felt like they were like, okay, we have a lot to wrap up. And another thing that Malcolm Spellman uh, mentioned in a podcast that I listened to today, uh, Fate to Black, to give them credit for it. Um, you know, in terms of the amount of episodes that were supposed to be given for this series, they were supposed to be, initially they started with eight because they were supposed to be the first thing uh, coming out after Black Widow. This is the first thing. So they had eight. And then Malcolm Spellman talks about today, he goes, um, and me listening, and he goes, well, you know, in terms of the story, we cut it down to six because there was quote unquote flat. Now, when you say that, and then this was what it was, I'm like, you ain't realize that there was flab in here too? It's he honestly, I think he must have like got something, a disease from Benioff and Weiss when he's talking about doing Confederate. Because it sounds a lot like when they were like, we only need six episodes to wrap up Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know what? Let me have the same audacity, the same um, kind of courage to just fumble the bag in this way and then be rewarded with the movie afterwards. <laughs> That's the, that's the thing, Steph, if you really think about it. And that's the other thing that I thought about when I first saw the reports of Captain America 4. Do I really want this 
this writer's team to be writing Captain America for and doing this movie? I don't, I don't know. What are they going to say about not sticking a landing upgrade to getting the Avengers. <laughs> I mean, jeez. What are they going to well, say uh, that they don't stick that landing? Yeah, well, there's something else here. If we can just dig into this. Yes. Right? You know, I think that when you're dealing with, with story on, on the TV side, you had enough episodes to give people an idea of what your arc was about, like what your overarching, I'm not talking about the action, I'm talking about the overarching theme of what you were mm-hmm. selling. With WandaVision, you were selling grief. You were selling dealing with grief. This is what this in- entire story was about. It was about the aftermath. And I think when you watch these these two shows, and we, I wonder what Loki's gonna look like, but right now, these first two, WandaVision and Falcon, are both consequence shows the first one was the consequence of Civil War, right? Oh, I'm sorry, Age of Ultron. This is the consequence of Civil War. So you're seeing what happened to all these characters after the fact, after, after what we saw on screen went down, here is the aftermath. And the theme of grief makes perfect sense, both of, from when you combine Age of Ultron and you combine, you know, essentially Infinity War and Endgame, you understand Wanda's arc, right? You understand what took place in the film. Now you get what this TV show is about. The theme here is what it means to be black in America, right? This is what the entire theme was. It's this sort of reconciliation. We were talking about this last week. We were talking about this story of consequence and the story of how they were going to um, how the story was going to explain how Sam Wilson went from unworthy at the beginning to worthy at the end, and then worthy of what? So the story, what you're really trying to sell here by the end, is you want, at least for me, what I wanted to see was, I wanted to see how he went from not feeling he was worthy to being worthy by the end and how he was going to, or how the, the writers were going to reconcile the Isaiah Bradley character. And I was incredibly disappointed the first time I saw it because it goes back to what we were talking about last week, which was all about, all about this idea of, you know, what's the, what was the best way to say it? Of when you're at the end of this story, what are you asking of black people, right? What are you asking of this character? You know, you're asking a certain level of reconciliation that nobody else was asked to perform, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for them to start the for them to start the the, uh, the show, the last show, the finale, and for them to say to use the clip, no, you know, um, they'll never ever let a black man be Captain America. And then to not finish with what Isaiah also said, and no self-respecting black man would want to be one, and to not deal with that for the entire show? Come on now. I, Howard, I thought the best line of the finale was when Sam shows up and Carly sees him, and she goes, you really brought, you you really really brought, brought into, into that bullshit, bullshit, didn't you? Yeah. This is the best line of the episode. Oh, exactly. Uh, and- and second to that, um, because what the show excels at when it does want to talk about race is the stuff that it doesn't say 
overtly and outwardly. It's in the interaction with John Walker and Io and the rest of the Dora Milaje. It's the end when you have um, Isaiah Bradley rewarded with a uh, spot at the very end of the museum uh, exhibit um, with no type of reparation or anything, but Sharon Carter gets an apology from the same government that owes Isaiah Walker that. Now I understand that Sam told Isaiah to not get involved, but that's where I took issue with the show. But you're gonna bring Isaiah Walker in here. Why not make that the through line? Isaiah Bradley. Isaiah Bradley. Yeah, yeah, I mean Isaiah Bradley. Um, 100%. Wow, what did I say? Isaiah Walker. <laughs> yes, you did. I so, watched that show. Been doing a lot that, of shows. I lately. would actually watch that too, but um, <laughs> no, I meant Isaiah Bradley. But um, you know, that's. There was no, there was, there was really no connection between Isaiah and Sam. No, the end and, of the I never really found that. Yeah, what really tripped me out about this and bothered me about that episode was what we talked about last week was, you know, we said, what do we want to see in the finale? AC and you asked, and I said, I want to know if the writers and of this show do does it have the balls to complete the indictment, and the answer was no. The answer was no. The answer was, we're going to give you a statue, but we're not going to say what we did to you. We're going to say that we're going to talk about all of what took place. We're going to, we're not even going to use the rest of your own clip that existed in the last episode, which was no self-respecting Black man would want to be Captain America. And yet they got Isaiah all teared up. I'm like, wait a minute. This runs completely counter to your worldview right now. Now, on the other hand, I understand that it, I understood that part didn't bother me nearly as much because he's still a soldier and he was still in pain. And at some point he either enlisted or was drafted or whatever. And he believed in this American dream. And the reason why he feels the way he feels is because he's hurt. I got that point. But to Stephanie's point, you put him in the back of the museum and you didn't reconcile because you didn't want to deal with the indictment. You, you, what you wanted was you wanted him to feel good, but you wanted yourself to feel good as yeah. well. Well, Howard, to your point on that, so it reminds me of the article that you wrote about the Negro Leagues and how instead of dealing with what you did to Black people, you instead lump them in together, That's erasing right. it so nobody for nobody actually remembers what And happened. no one can tell the difference. That's right. And I think that what really got me about this was it was it was it's okay to be complicated you know to Jerome's point about you don't have to clean everything up and make it look clean but you do have to confront and sometimes the clean the cleanest part of it is to leave it out there that at least it's been dealt with even if it's not even if the answer is not to your satisfaction and what really bothered me about this was the the idea or the the decision to make things right was to completely blame black people for their anger. You know, are you really gonna let Sam, you're gonna really gonna let Isaiah Bradley get in your head? You better let Isaiah Bradley get in your head if you're actually Captain America for what he went through. Of course you let him get in your head. And the the idea once again that Isaiah Bradley at by the end didn't have the right to still be upset. That Sam Wilson zooms around the entire episode trying to make everybody right. You can't make everybody whole. And I think that it was a much more honest and a a much more effective 
storyline to leave it like that. To your point about the Negro Leagues, you can't give those guys their youth back. You can't give them their life back. They're all dead, right? Yeah. So at some point, you have to you have to sit with what you did. And what this story did was it tried to make sure that America never has to sit with what it did. Yeah. I think that the thing in the museum, a line that uh, Sam says at the end, which bothered me on two different levels at two different points. The first time I heard him, he said, now no one will forget you. And it's like, believe me, every bad thing America did that we all forget about is in a museum somewhere. Like there's museums dedicated (laughs) to all of our atrocities. Like it's not like just because it's in a museum doesn't mean anyone cares. But the thing that is that, when I thought about it later, that really is kind of insidious about that line is that the the bad thing that happened to Isaiah wasn't that he was forgotten. That's, that's not right. the injustice to undo. Like Isaiah, like if you're not going to like to repaying him, it's it's not like he discovered something and never given his due. Like he had a really terrible thing happen to him. And that's yes, right. I'm sure that like on some level it makes him feel a little bit better that he's acknowledged and like his pain is known by other people. But that's Two not terrible the same things done to him. That's not the right. same thing as actually making him whole. And the fact that it, they don't even spend time to, because I wouldn't expect Sam to be able to undo that. But the fact that they act like a statue is tantamount to solving his problem or that like that was his problem to begin with is just like, no, like we, the, it's, I think that you're right with that. Like, we want to make America sit with it because it's like in Isaiah Bradley's story, the United States of America is objectively the enemy. And I think that that's, we don't want to think about that. Yeah. No, and that's the other thing with Sam Wilson is that you sat there watching him and that goofy look that Anthony Mackey has on his face when he's in Sam's, when he's in Isaiah's backyard, he really wants to be patted on the back. Yeah. He yeah. really feels like he did right during all this. However, let the record show that I have a nickname for Sam Wilson. I call him Checkers. Checkers Wilson. Because that's what he was throughout this entire series. He was playing checkers and everybody else was playing chess. That's right? facts. You oh, got um I wish you had been on since <laughs> because <Right? laughs> my God. I mean, you got Zemo was playing chess, mm. right? John Walker was playing chess with Elaine from Seinfeld, right? Carly was <laughs> playing chess, right? <laughs> Contessa. Sure. Okay, I still you still okay, you might be Val Contessa, but you still Elaine. Okay. Bucky was playing chess too. Bucky was playing chess, right? Everybody was playing. Everybody was playing chess. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sharon was playing chess. Play three D chess. And here, right? Sharon's playing chess, and Sam is playing checkers, and that's America in a lot of ways, where you got all these white people playing chess, and your ass is playing checkers, trying to catch up, wanting a pat on the back. Yep, and this is and, and it's funny because I, I do kind of want to continue to jump in to the sharing aspect of things because it it is amazing that Sam doesn't even think like throughout this entire time with Sharon like no idea why she necessarily uh, does what she does why does she have the the stuff that she has at this point how, how did you, you would think this? that there would be a question at least a question. In, in terms of those things, but that never happened at all. And I think this is one of those things where uh, people in general who critique these shows and they tend to go off the, well, you know, it's a Disney show and then, you know, there's action, action and stuff like that. You shouldn't think too much about these things. 
Well, kind not. Of like, if you really yeah. think about it as just a logical human being. And, well, and also, they took on logic- huge teams. They went right. on. They, they didn't make this uncomplicated. They, and they, they took on yeah, race in America. If you want to make Godzilla versus Kong, you can do that. Exactly. But if you want to bring up yeah. race. But, but hold on. Let me just add this real quick because this yeah. has been on my, my last nerve a lot recently. And it's this whole idea that for us cape superhero movies specifically um, to just kind of turn your brain off and excuse some of the stuff that it does because the source (laughs) material is goofy, but that's not it. And um, you can always tell like who actually, you know, reads the, not only reads comics, but actually appreciates comics for the, the, the medium that they are. Right. Um, And it's just always interesting to me because there are stories we would not have this show if there wasn't a story um, that had been written in the comics that, you know, folks said, oh, take inspiration from that. Truth. They took inspiration. I mean, they took some things from that. So, and that was as hard of a read as it is um, because of the subject matter and some other stuff. Um, it's still a well done story for Isaiah Bradley. Um, and it's just, I don't know, like that just, how are you critiquing this show? You should critique it like you would anything else if the Absolutely. people didn't have superpowers. 100%. What are we talking about if, we don't have super soldiers in this show. We're talking about military personnel and uh, cops and everything else. So you would treat it like you would if you were watching like Law and Order or um, NCIS or whatever. So I just, I don't understand that. Like just watch the show. For well, it's it very similar, Stephanie. It's really similar to how people deal with sports. They think mm-hmm. that because it's fun and games that it's not serious um, or that that you are allowed to have certain missteps when the bottom line is what it always is. The best movies, no matter if it's a comic book movie, I still will take this to my grave. Superman two is a great movie. And so is Superman. And so is Superman. Why? Because you got performances. Doesn't make a difference that it's about a guy who can fly, who's an alien. You get great performances. And if you have great performances, and gr- good writing, you'll have a great story. If you make a bad, you know, if you if you make a bad product, you're going to get a bad product. So um, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like when you take on the themes that you've taken that you've taken on in these two in these two shows, you've taken on grief and you've taken on race. Those are not comic book themes. These are these are human themes. Mm-hmm. And now that you've taken them on, you kind of got to pull them off, right? I mean, you put Sam Wilson in a bank trying to get a loan, right? I mean, that's <laughs> not a comic book theme. You know, you, you, you ran the gamut of what it was for him to be black. You put him in there, then you put him, he gets racially profiled in the middle of the street in Baltimore. I mean, you've done, you've taken on big, big subjects. So, okay, so I was going to talk about Sharon, but Stephanie made a point that really just got me to the place or I really wanted to talk about like my main issue with what happened in this episode. And that's Mr. John Walker. So, <laughs> so I just want to set the table for everybody and just give my feelings on it and then everybody can expound. So you have episode five, you have this near fight to the death over the shield. You have everything that John Walker did in episode four. And it's one thing to do the whole, like, I'm going to make the dollar store shield and show up or whatever and make that a thing. But for your two, for your two protagonists to not only let him show up, 
But y'all not only work together, y'all have no dialogue saying after y'all really fought to the death, you broke this dude's arm, everybody was bloody in the battle or whatever. Y'all don't have no conversation about what happened previous, and then y'all just decided to work together just for the sake of doing it. I don't care what anybody. Just just make amends. (laughs) I mean, geez, I don't care what anybody says. You can't do that. You they were bantering with each other. They were making jokes. Were yeah, making it was jokes. bad. They, I think it was Abraham Lincoln quotes. Yeah, like what? I, I think that they completely <laughs> misread what the audience would think about John Walker, and I really don't know how they did that. But like, I, I it feels like they're trying to have the cake and eat it too. We're like, it's like okay, he's gonna be a bad guy, go down it. And then I think that maybe someone at Disney was like, give a note, like, whoa, whoa, we can't have him go full bad because that's gonna be an upcoming movie. So it's like, okay, now we need to be kind of good again. Um, but it just felt so terrible. Well, the worst thing about that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw it to you guys in a second. Like the worst thing about that for me watching that play out, it undoes episode five, it undoes episode four, it undoes those good moments that actually were supposed to mean something. And then it's just like, yeah, whatever, let's just move on. And that's what bothers me. So go ahead. Especially, oh, go ahead, Jerome. Isn't that also like the power of Sam's super speech that he like decided that he was going to run through a checklist and then after each profound (laughs) point would look look toward (laughs) the person. Oh, you know, you, you, I'd be like, oh, Jake, if you don't mind, I got you can just edit in the scene from Rocky Four where <laughs> Sylvester Stallone goes, if you can change, then <laughs> you can change. <laughs> we all could change. Like that was, that was um, mm. the feeling. Like it, there was, uh, yeah, it was really, it wasn't just like the writing of the speech, but it was like the very purposeful cuts it to like, Sam says specific phrase, cut to person that he is referring to and then there's john walker just nodding like yeah it, oh yeah. my god yeah. it's checkers man it's <laughs> I, I what i was thinking when i was watching it Queen is, him. is i think <laughs> some of his recent work and his older work how it's aged has been much maligned but when i was watching it, it's like not everyone can be aaron sorkin and they all think they can be like it's really like <laughs> right, right, it's right. really like well again his issues with how his stuff is aged aside like it just is not easy to write a speech that sums up a bunch of big issues. And if this was on, and like I watch a lot of dumb action stuff that tries to have bigger themes, mm-hmm. and this stuck out with how bad it was because it yeah. really just was truly trying to, like, at least Aaron Sorkin had like the gumption to make his president an actual like is a democrat not an independent where sam was just like every line he said was like okay i can't go too far in any direction here because i might piss someone off and so like his big summation was have people in the room as if you think unreal as if you think that these rich uber capitalists will give a shit about refugees just because they might be the same room as them they'll spit on them why do they care exactly you know it was very reminiscent of uh, the 2020 uh, summer, it felt like some company um, who just wanted to make a response mm-hmm. about what was going on did this very middle of the road um, speech because there was a lot of we speak. Sam oh, Wilson doesn't speak goodness. French that I know of. So <laughs> I was really confused as to why he was just going we, we, we. And then on top of that, you have Carly, who he, I didn't even know she was dead. And he's like, yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's what they, I hope not because well, she's like, on a stretcher and they didn't put any, they didn't put a, exactly, cloth, a cloth over exactly. her. Exactly. Mm. And that's why I was surprised when he said, uh, we had a, you know, now a misguided teenager is, is dead. Um, mm. I just, was uh, she, I was going to say, and was she misguided? And by the no. way, no. um, I mean, there was, I mean, all I could think of when he was giving that speech was I was thinking of Leslie Nielsen and the naked gun. You know, you can say that, that, you know, the world's not worth a hill of beans, Jane, but this is our hill and these are our beans, right? (laughs) I I was like, you gotta give me something better than this. And then the dude is looking at Sam going, you just don't understand. He's like, I was waiting for Sam to go, motherfucker, I got blipped. How could I not understand? I'm one of the guys you're talking about. I got blipped. And, and it was there was no acknowledgement of the fact it's like not only did I get blipped, I fought Thanos, dude. Are you really gonna talk to me about being uncomplicated about this being too complicated for me to understand? Ooh. Oh man. I mean All right, so, it was wild. Um, uh, yeah, that that was a lot. Um so Steph mentions Carly. Steph mentions, mentions Carly getting shot. So by the way, episode four. Carly gets shot by Zemo in the gut, and oh, she's fine. She's fine, you know. What you call? I don't know if recovers. medically. I don't know if medically that's an unimportant area, but I will say, someone who's watched a lot of movies will get shot. Where she got shot is one of those places where you're fine in movies. I'll just no, say it that. matters. Not, the and, first and time I, I, there is a place where if someone gets shot yeah. in a movie, there they don't die. That is Obviously, some Sharon serum. Carter did she dip into the serum because she got gut shot and she's like cracking jokes by the car. I'm like, yeah, the cracking jokes is a bit much. But like honestly, <laughs> it, it it really just goes to show how much cinema trains your brain. Because if I see someone get like shot not in the middle, like on the side below like the ribs it's like they're probably fine which isn't yeah, true right. in real life but in movies spleen, you'll be okay yeah hey chris sims once played like a whole half without a spleen so you know that's why john wick's got it right just go for the head every time right <laughs> i mean no it, and it's funny howard you made the list on twitter of the the characters who've been shot and uh in marvel and what happens to them i mean remember when bucky shot cap like three times and he just he just kept he just kept going he just kept going he just kept on rolling thanos <laughs> was butter knife to the leg yep. and was fine <laughs> yes also exactly no arteries involved there no arteries were harmed during this during this shot <laughs> It's just like but if you, you know think what? about it, just we'll go they're ahead. Just, and I was gonna say that just tells me that um they really didn't know what to do with Carly's character because yeah. Carly was not someone that could be tied up neatly. Um, like they tried yeah. to do so many other things. So I mean, it makes sense that they did kill her, but not for great reasons. It really more so speaks to the fact they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Because by the time we get to her in this finale, she's ready to die for this cause. And I'm like, hey, girl, where where did this energy come from? Mm -hmm. Well, and she was ready to die for the cause. And then I thought that they were going to do the old turncoat from within thing when she's like, one world and nobody said anything. She's like... Hey, I'm talking to you. You can tell everybody else is like, I'm not really let down for this. Where'd that come from? Um, Mm. You know, I mean, it was really, um, it's true. They they didn't know how to, what do we do with this character who's an incredibly interesting character in a lot of ways because she's not wrong, right? She's not wrong. So, So how badly, how grisly do we make her death when she's not wrong? Which is why I was thinking that the only way to deal with that was to make her more and more and more violent. So it's like, okay, she's got to go. Like, okay, if she kills two trucks worth of hostages, okay, now you can do whatever you want with her. 
but that's not really how it, it, it went down. Well, I found even as she was attacking Sam, um, that didn't even feel like her character either. It just like, they no, just and, felt and like- why it, is she apologizing a, at the end? Yeah. That was such a quick apology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that went from like, I'm trying to murder you to like, what yeah, I'm sorry. Doing? That. <laughs> The, the, you know, the good, there really is a lot of goodness in you, Sam. I don't know why I was trying to kill you. <laughs> There's so much goodness in you. I, I think that it's... You passed the test. You didn't try to fight me. Now I, I am sorry. It's kind of annoying in hindsight, the whole bit where she's fighting Sam, yelling, fight me, fight me, fight me. Mm-hmm. Because I think it taps into something that I think is true about her character, but it's misplaced where I think she is very frustrated and like wants to be... I think it's not Sam, but I think you could make the argument that she is looking to be fought, that she's kind of, I think the fact that her enemy isn't different to her for the most part is frustrating and is so much of why Mm -hmm. she wants to keep ratcheting up the violence. And I think, but to make it that she's fighting Sam when she's doing that is just like, that's not how she feels. She's not frustrated at Sam. Like, you know, Sam is only so much so far in her way. And so like, it kind of was like, getting at it but i think that it's the whole the reason i have so much trouble with her is because if you have a character who is right but because of the politics of your show and the fact that you're a gigantic disney property she can't win like you actually there's really nowhere to go with that you're in a rock and hard place yeah no there is somewhere to go with it you go watch ant-man 2 and you look at what they do Mm, that's that's true that is true Mm -hmm. well and and on top of that with the with the carly character it, it, it reminded me a lot of WandaVision when you bring Agnes into it. It's like, okay, yeah. you've got too many places and not enough time to deal with them, right? I mean, the Carly character is so complex that you probably needed the whole episode to deal with that. But now you're adding the power broker into it and then you bring back John Walker and now he's involved and now you get to deal with Isaiah at the end. I mean, really, if you're gonna be true to your theme, which is this reconciliation about race in America and where do black people fit in this whole story and this I'm willing to fight for the United States no matter what, then your finale really has to drill down to Isaiah and Carly. That's the story, yeah. right? That's been the story yeah. of what you've set up from, from day one. And to see John Walker trying to keep a truck from falling you know, off, a, you know, off the ledge and to make him heroic. And it, it, it was like, okay, you don't know where you're going. And why was he in the same government hearing room um, putting yeah, on his the costume? That's I, I think question. that's because they only had Julie for like a day for that one location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were like, let's go ahead and do this. It was in her contract. She would not take an Uber <laughs> to the next spot. Exactly. I mean, so so those those things got really, really muddy really quickly. And so, I mean, I just felt like, I mean, the Isaiah stuff made more sense in terms of resolution because you could see that deep down what he wanted was to be acknowledged. So that sort of made a little bit more sense. Um, But the, the Carly resolution was really unsatisfying. And I think part of the reason why it was unsatisfying was because you added another character. You, you, you brought Batrock into it, which goes back to our friend Checkers Wilson. Once again, you, you, you saved Sharon, who, by the way, sicked Batrock on you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you're just getting played everywhere. Yeah. Oh, by the way, since you mentioned Batrock, Howard, I do want to say one thing. Like, it's just another logistics thing. The, the shield is supposed to be one of the strongest 
and greatest weapons in the history of the Marvel Universe. You going to tell me that thing's going to get brought down by a chair? By a chair. I saw the chair and it didn't bounce back to him. <laughs> that's you know? what I'm saying. It just, what is that? Throw, just throw a chair at it. That's what Thanos did. Thanos didn't throw a chair at it. Right? <laughs> Although Thanos did cut the, the shield. He cut the shield of Yeah, yeah. yeah. He killed the sure shield. Did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. No, that blade was made of full chair. Yeah, it was. It was all chair. <laughs> all chair. It, it was like... If you actually watch carefully, it is actually a hardcore WWF match, and he's just yeah. hitting him with the steel chair repeatedly until it. Well, and it was hard. really interesting too, like the number of, like when you talk about like sort of how the different films, um, or how this show was a, uh, not a referendum but a consequence of the other films. There, there was so much Civil War energy in those two-on-one fights. Um, mm, yep. You could see it, you know, how they did it in Episode Five, and then they did it again in in, in this one. Um, I will say, though, wherever you want to go with this, I did for the first time in back-to-back episodes, I, I, I got on Team Bucky. Yep. I had been so mm. anti-Winter Soldier from the very start of his appearance back in, in First Avenger, obviously in, in, in um, Winter Soldier. But that character, that character came out all right for me. Yes. Yeah, I think it was the biggest, yeah, I, agree. I would say, like, in terms of what you wanted to do in character development, um, they achieved what they needed to achieve with Bucky. And like I it's said, with Sam character makeover. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it feels like he learned something and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he's grown from from the time that the series started and ended. And I don't feel that way about Sam. And part of that is just the, the haphazard way that they handled him in the first three episodes of the series where, A, he doesn't know anything. B, like I said last week, he's not verbalizing exactly what his feelings on all of these things actually are. So you can't get a real idea or understand what his true feelings are on the shield and all of that stuff. But and you know until you get the scene with Carly in episode four is that's when you really start to see his growth there. And then you get um, him with Bucky giving him the advice there. Those are the things that we that we see Sam, you know, at least showing something. But yeah. Bucky, it was like a it was just like a steady, a steady uh, incremental uh, uptick for There's him. An arc so like, yep. yeah. So like I, yeah. I, I was I was I was appreciative of that. And it just kind of goes to show that, you know, if you if you actually put the time into the to the character and actually, you know, verbalize, you know, what's happening with them. You have to know where he's going, right? I mean, the, the series piece- trying to make a case that Sam always had it in him that he didn't need to grow into what he was, but he just had to accept it. Yeah, well, it's, it's, yeah. I feel like it was, but I just wanted to say real quick, I mean, I feel like the reason why we don't get a lot of outside characterization of Sam is because when they were talking about, hey, we're going to make this about what is being to be a Black man in the United States, um, they use a lot of things that would happen to Sam for the viewer to connect through that. But me connecting through him being denied through a bank loan or uh, being profiled by the police is not letting me know who this character is that's right why or why right. not he would not want the shield or any of that because so, that was a red flag to me when they mentioned that because i'm like well shit you're probably really not going to put a lot of emphasis on you're going to have him have a lot of stuff happen to him and him reacting to things but we that's won't see any of that middle that's ground. right and the so, other piece of, mm-hmm, go ahead no 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 how you go ahead 
Now, I was going to say that what I thought was also interesting about the Sam arc there, too, was when he seems proud of the fact that he's got no serum. And that was one of the first times in the MCU where suddenly the serum was considered a negative. I mean, mm-hmm. Cap was like, OK, I will defend. I am moral and I have serum. He was never it was mm-hmm. nothing that he wanted to get away from. This was the first time that Sam, you know, where, you know, with Sam, where the having the super soldier serum was considered a negative. And I'm like, well, you're going to need something because you're not strong enough right now to do whatever you feel your mission is. And I, I, it was really interesting what they did to him. And, I, and we were talking about this last week when I, ref, I before I renamed him or re-nicknamed him Checkers, I was calling him Grant Park Sam because there's a lot of Grant Park in him, a lot of big speeches, a lot of hope, a lot of 2008, and yes, everybody else is playing you, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was thinking, I literally did think in my head during the last Isaiah scene, I'm like, I just heard you in my head saying Grant Park. <laughs> I mean, there was all kinds of Obama in there that I'm gonna defend this even when I'm completely overmatched, even when nobody else is gonna respect the rules that I respect or that I'm supposed to respect. And that this is somehow going to be a victory. And when I said it, when he was in the backyard with Isaiah, I was thinking at some point, what they're really setting up for you is the choice that at some point when he goes, you know, I may die for it. Or when I pick up this shield, millions of people hate me, that double entendre there, you know. Um, And the one hand, I thought he was talking about black people. But on the other, he's probably talking about white people. And so then I started thinking. The, the real dilemma when you are Sam Wilson with that shield is that at some point being black and being American are diametrically opposed. And when that happens, are you fighting for America or are you fighting for black people? Mm. Wow. That's it. Mm. Mm. I just said, I mean, if there was like a little, you know, little collection play going around, I probably would have had and slipped in the $10. Would have gave me more than a dollar. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I just want to run a shake. <laughs> so Angela brought something else up earlier too about the the fear factor. It struck me when we were talking about the chess versus checkers thing. It also struck me that of all the characters, Z- Zemo was the one who had virtually no fear. I mean, nobody had any fear of Sam Wilson. Like you feared yeah. Cap because you know Cap. But Cap's a fighter. Steve Rogers yes. would mess you up. I mean, he likes to fight. That's one of the reasons why I enjoyed him as Captain America, because part of that double entendre of being Captain America is you will also beat people up because that's what we do, right? I mean, mm-hmm, right. you sure you want, I mean, what's Captain America? What is Steve Rogers' first impulse? To punch his way out of stuff. I can do this all day. That's who he is, right? And with the, with the Sam character in this, you know, I just started thinking, you know, um, Nobody feared you. Zemo didn't fear you. They feared everybody else but you. There was nothing, there was nothing about you. And that's why the whole no serum speech was sort of important. What he was really saying is my biggest weapon is my belief. And I'm like, you might need bigger weapons mm-hmm. in this yeah. fight that you're in. Especially if he's trying to you know, continue along the lines of de-escalation being the main no, well, uh, that's the main right. Target of all of that's his conversations. Right. And so. the Wakandans, my son was watching it and she he was watching it and he's like, you know, that Wakandan suit just turned him into Iron Man with wings. I mean, when did he level up? 
I mean, he's because <laughs> that was the like in the comic book. I never really cared about Falcon because he was just, you know, this is a story for another day. But, you know, if you really do think about the origin of the Falcon and then you just look at like funk groups of the 1970s, he could have been like the mm-hmm. Isley Brothers. Like he could have been. I mean, when he you look at his outfit, around without no wings. he's just a <laughs> brother. With some, <laughs> he's a brother with some wings and a headband. Right. But this new incarnation of his suit, I mean, he he got powered up. He even had some Tony Stark stuff to like lift up the, you know, the the truck and everything. I'm like, where did all this come from? Yeah. Oh, I should I should ask everybody about this. What do we feel about the suit? It was very comics uh, canon. Uh, Jerome, what do you think? Uh, yeah, like you said, it, it was accurate to it. Um, it's interesting that Wakanda made that. Like well, with that colorway, I, I got I a guess. little, uh, got a little uh, comic knowledge on that one. So I'm pretty sure they read this. So in uh, Captain America, whatever, um, mm-hmm. Sam is actually dealing with, you know, feeling some kind of way because he does not have the same powers as Steve. Um, and Steve says, "Well, you know, I can talk to Steve um, to um, Tony about hooking you up with something." And Sam is like, well, "No, I'm actually going to reach out to." T'Challa, um, he's a black man, he'll understand mm. my needs better or whatever. Um, but I feel like the Wakanda gave him that colorway or whatever, because they were just like, you know what, y'all already we didn't launch y'all a shield. Now you got an arm, <laughs> and they just kind of <laughs> right. you know how you give somebody your blank Air Force Ones to do something with and then they <laughs> screw it up. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. you, just, you didn't want out. them to do a bad job of it. Like if someone's gonna do, you're gonna do it anyway. We might as well do it right. Yeah. And Bucky's the one who called in the favor. He, yeah, yeah. I think and no, I mean having the comic background is great, but like even then, it makes more sense in the comic version than it does in what we see in the series. Right. Like I think my question like is more just like, look what happened between him and the Wakandans over the course of this series, mm-hmm. and like yeah, I can see doing the favor, but like more specifically to the colorway of it is just, you know, he he looks like the comic book and that's great. But just the way you set it up, it just doesn't make sense that it's it's almost like Wakanda's putting their like hat in the race. I just like that they're just like you don't feel we're like on board something that they with would this do. Captain America. Right. No, and I get that. And again, this just goes back to the lack of writing to set that up. um there's just no through line for that um but if anything i just think of like wakanda being like okay girl we'll do it in your colors right 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 which is kind of like all right sam we know you got blipped in wakanda so here's a solid right (laughs) exactly (laughs) yes and then really more so through luck i mean not lucky but through bucky which is just hilarious because bucky told him about isaiah and then bucky got him the hookup for uh, the new suit (laughs) Yeah. You know, Buck, my when Sam, my son was my son was talking about Sam and we got done, he, he pulled a foghorn leg horn. He's like, nice kid, but he kind of dumb. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> it is, it's, it's kind of funny when you like really do look at the Sam arc. Very little of this is coming from him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Steph and I talked about this on a previous episode of Marvel Did What, where we went into the Captain America and Falcon kind of not only relationship, but the particularly the way that Falcon as a character is written. And he's not really written that smart. No. Not at all. So it's almost like it kind of fits. Like well, the to, way to that your point, goes. Exactly. To your point, you're not going to ask. Sh- I mean, for somebody on the run, Sharon, you're living really well. 
Mm. Right. I mean, did anything about this say gangster? And by the way, you're kind of responsible, Sam, for that. I mean, because it was just like it, it's at some and that, that's why I, that's why I was asking about a second season. Like there's an opportunity there if there was going to be a second season where he got his education, where he sort of, yeah. sort of learned and you could see that this character had some growth going somewhere. But if there's not a second season, then we are left with Sam being what Sam is. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. And I also feel like at this point, basically, unless it's um, a series like Moon Knight, Loki, She-Hulk are the ones that I name, pretty much all of these shows are going to be vehicles to just advance to the movies, um, pretty right. much. That's what at least what it looks like at this point. Because I feel like I feel like Hawkeye um, is just going to be a Kate Bishop vehicle to get her to Young Avengers. Um, uh, you could see Loki being a multiple season show because it's kind of affects time and everything that goes along with that. So you can kind of do like a whole multiverse thing and just have him, you know, gallivant around not only the multiverse, but throughout time. Uh, and that that would be interesting. And then She Hulk, you could you just have so many characters at your disposal there that you can mm -hmm. do different stuff with them. But something like something like this, it's pretty clear that they just wanted to show you that hey, Sam deserves to be Captain America. Let's get yeah. you there, no matter how we get you there, and then let's do the movie. And yeah, let's well, make the arc, brilliant. Yeah, and the arc the arc of this six episode thing was it was an apology. And I like what Stephanie said. It really had this sort of 2020 vibe to it. It really was almost like an apology at a black America to say, we're sorry. And, and I was, which is why the speeches were way too long. And the, the, all of this was about, it was about redemption, but about whose redemption. It was almost as if the, the, the way to make black people feel comfortable always has to come while making white people feel comfortable. It always has to mm -hmm. be, it has to be at their redemption. It has to be at their inherent goodness and all of those things. And so many of, so much of that ran counter to the actual storytelling, right? Yeah. The actual storytelling, uh, you know, Sam, uh, to, to Stephanie's point, again, to Sam Wilson and to Jake's point as well about, is this a movie or is this a TV show? The, you know, each of your set pieces have to have some sort of power. And by the time we got to the finale, we were talking about this last week, all of Sam's promises throughout this series you had to get a payoff at the end. You had to have some payoff for him making a promise to his sister at the bank and failing, making a promise to Carly and failing, making a promise about the pardon. And he gets the pardon and still fails because he just enabled the power broker to you know, access the government. <laughs> Sam getting played, making promises, to, making promises to Isaiah, right? So you're hoping mm. by the end, this, this end had to, had to justify his faith. And yet I think the speech is supposed to be the thing that justifies the faith. And it just didn't do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, another topic that I can jump to about this, about this finale. Um, oh, so can I throw one last thing out there before you go? Yeah, sure. Sure. I was happy that Sam took the shield and went to go fly and save the helicopter because no way does Sam Wilson, who got his ass beat in every single fight, pretty much in the MCU, <laughs> including Ant-Man who beat his ass, right? Yeah, yes. He's lost every fight. There's no way he beats Batrock in a hand-to-foot battle. 
There's oh, no, no, he was getting worked. He was getting he worked getting in that work. opening. He season. was getting worked. He was getting worked. <laughs> I really was just thinking, Batroc doesn't have any powers, right? He's just good no, at no, fighting. No, he doesn't. He's a, he's a French and foot fighter. What the hell is Sam doing then? Like, Sam, you think you would be a superhero and, like, a guy who might not even go undefeated in the MMA is beating the shit out of you? Like, I don't right. know. Just... Atrog had held up pretty nicely against uh, Steve. He up sure until, did. Up until Steve, like, deciding, like, okay, now I will. Enough try. of this. <laughs> yeah, enough of this. Oh, and you trying to trash talk me, too? I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Batrock was giving him some some lip, too. Um, uh, Yeah, the John Walker thing. I, I know we got into Sam's speech. Um, from the John Walker thing, but that thing just bugged me, man. It really did. It was it like should, one of the- it should have bugged you because the, <sighs> to me, the most powerful. I don't know. We should go around the room and ask, but to me, mm-hmm. the world is watching was the most powerful thing in the whole show. Yeah, and that's how mm-hmm. you finish. The whole world is watching. Mm-hmm. And the sort of buddy buddy nod and John Walker going, Hey, I'm back. And he he does a little Usain Bolt at the end. He throws the you know, the arrows up. <laughs> and I'm like, You killed somebody with a shield in public, uh, man. Uh, and and the thing is, I actually was thinking, and I was like, is there gonna be this scene at the end? And there wasn't. Like, I think if this was a bolder show, and I think that a show like The Boys does stuff like this really well, mm-hmm. they could make a grander comment on how forgiving the world is willing to be to a handsome white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes. Sure. And like basically make the point, once again, then this show is never gonna do that because it's not the show. But no. it's like, I think you could make a comment that like, isn't it crazy that this guy could do something so heinous, but we're so quick to forgive that type of person. But the fact they didn't even have anything, even, even commenting on the fact that he was getting redemption. It was just like, it, like there was, the, it literally just felt like the reason he was redeemed is because of his proximity, his physical proximity to the main characters. That he happened to be there. It's like, well, I guess he's redeemed. Right. Well, and also that you created him, right? I mean, in the first episode, you created him as the, as the counter to Sam Wilson giving up the shield. Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt, I mean, there were two pieces to this, right? One of them was, okay, he gets his dishonorable discharge. But by that point, don't you know he's a super soldier? And then, because of what you saw, and then he's holding up a truck all by himself. And still, nobody has said, he's got superpowers. (laughs) It still hasn't really been acknowledged that this guy is not the guy you gave the shield to. Very irresponsible stuff. Just bad, honestly, a bad look for everyone involved. (laughs) <laughs> they did, yeah. They they messed that up um, completely. And I think also the the one little thing about episode five that now in retrospect you think about it, you're doing all this John Walker redeeming. You know he really lied to that man's parents about who killed sure Lamar. Did. Yeah. Why did he even? Why did Lamar even have to die at this point? If they were going to do what they did, like they could have did a fake out or whatever. It's just. It's Marvel, right? Well, I just love the fact that that the sister in that scene was like, "Yeah, I'm not buying anything you're saying <laughs> yeah. right now." Yeah, I actually did appreciate that. that. I thought that was yeah, yeah that yeah, was good. It was like, like "Don't come at me with this." So, yeah. by the way, Steph, as uh, you you mentioned that, um, another thing that Malcolm Spellman said in, in in his interview, he he did address that. Oh, why the killing Lamar thing? And he goes, "Yeah, I kind of know it's a trope, but we felt like this was the best way to continue the story." And I'm like, hey, that's why that. it's a that's why it's a bad trope for the reason that you just oh my god oh, it's a thing what? that he said he was a thing he actually <laughs> I gotta, said like, I honestly to, it's 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 like it's like how if i'm gonna eat like a cheeseburger 
I can say to myself, I know this is going to raise my cholesterol and it still raises my cholesterol. Like just because I know it doesn't mean yeah, that it yeah, makes yeah. it any better. Like I just, yeah, killing Lamar is a trope. And that doesn't mean that it's okay. Just because you, and like, it's not even like they subverted it in any way. Like if you want to, if you're dead set on killing Lamar, do it in a way that's different than everyone would have guessed, you know? Yeah. Well, Well, that's the other thing. You saw Lamar, you were like, you're dead, (laughs) brother. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like there are so many things about this series that I feel like we all in one way or another predicted would happen and they all kind of follow through as predicted. And I find that when a show does that and when you can call out each spot, like almost like it's a wrestling match, you, you, it's just like, it, that's kind of a sign that your show is not, um, Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I would say that everything can be, fully predictable and you can see all the motions going through but if the execution is right you can still very much appreciate Fair. and enjoy what's going okay. on enjoy it. I'll give so it I, yeah. I think i think if anything the reason why we are upset with how things are played out is that some parts and when they do happen just don't at all feel earned even though we see them coming yeah that's right and yeah. i i would throw one other quick thing in there too which is this is the this is the brand power of Marvel that if you listen to this entire podcast, you would think we're totally trashing this show. (laughs) We're at least I, I watched it all and I look forward to watching it. And this is what, this is what happens when you have been birthed by Marvel since, you know, I mean, goodness, I've been reading Marvel comics since I was five years old. And so Mm -hmm. there's a power which, by the way, it's a dispensation that I don't give other shows. Like, I got into mm. Umbrella Academy, and I was like, yeah, I'm done, right? I get it, they'll watch some of the, you know, some of the other programs. I watched, you know, The Nevers. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I mean, because I don't, I'm not connected the way this has me connected. And, and this yeah. is one of the, and so far, Marvel's bank is so full. Their reserve is so full with me that none of what we're talking about is keeping me from watching the next show. And it's yeah, not it's even part from, of like pre- before this series, right? Like mm-hmm. we are complaining about this, but we did really love episode five. We absolutely love Zemo. We love everything that came mm-hmm. and out loved of those moments. Four. Yeah. We love yeah. episode four. Like so, there are very like when I like and when um the Dora Milaje come and like hand John Walker like all that stuff is yeah. fantastic. Yep. Yes. And yep. I would watch it over and over again and would take this finale for better or worse, knowing that I also get that in hand with right. it. So it's um and I, I wouldn't even like put it around the lines of, you know, oh, they've done so well, so we're letting it slide. It's just it it's to Howard's point, it's just like, all right. Like it's not like because they have it at such a high bar. Because at the same time, like I came into the start of this episode saying. I did not expect that they would nail the ending and then they that's didn't right. nail the ending. And I'm like, all right, on to the next one. <laughs> like, yep. that's not well, it's great. Loki. The, power, <laughs> the power of Marvel. Yeah. You know, and the power of these characters and the power of, of being, you know, of being invested in it at, at a, at a level that it's, and they know it. I mean, and that, and this is the thing where you wonder when they start to lose that currency like I think mm-hmm. with Star Star Wars, that started happening to me. Um, Star Wars began losing currency with me because I just couldn't keep track of. I I got bored by this 
good guy, dark side nonsense, and it just stopped making sense. Um, and the thing that we talk about that the that the the bank, the reserve with Marvel is so high that we allow them to get away with stuff that just makes no sense. <laughs> it just makes yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. no sense. And at some point it's not supposed to make sense and you just let it go. But once again, um, I was... I was, I still feel like they pulled off. I would give WandaVision the edge over this. Oh, yeah. Um, by probably by far. Easy. Yeah. Easy. But I still watched. But did any of us go into this thinking that like Falcon was going to beat it out in any way, too? I know. But no, I actually think you that raised an excellent and an interesting point, though, that I think this series in particular has had the most scrutiny for me on any non-Avengers movie in a while, movie slash TV mm-hmm. show, because this is the most down the middle genre-wise of anything they've tried to do. There's nothing else going on. Like they're not trying anything really interesting with it. Yeah. Like they're not doing one right. thing or like, you know, even with like uh, the Spider-Man movies, like there's different things or if like, you know, uh, with they've tried different genres and different approaches and this is like as down the middle superhero action storytelling as you can yep. get and yep. so like there is no wow that was really cool i haven't seen that before so it's all about execution and i think yep. that that's kind of why and also you know i think we're being critical of it because we love it and i think that there's a certain mm-hmm. way that people on the internet yeah, don't like well, and there's critical. also two, yeah and there's also two other points to that from for me and i feel 100 percent the same way it is that they are as characters two characters that I don't really feel that strongly about. I love mm-hmm. vision and Wanda Maximoff showed me a lot as her arc went on. I was like, okay, you can, you can carry this. Right. But mm-hmm. I absolutely love vision. I love vision in the comic book and I love vision, you know, the Paul Bettany vision. These two never really hit me. The guy who hit me the most in terms of, okay, who's acting am I here to watch was Zemo. I like Daniel. Yeah, yes. I think he's a really yeah, good actor. Great. He yeah. kept, he kept me in and then everybody else sort of caught up. Yeah, they brought him in at a time actually where you were like, huh, I wonder where this series is headed. Exactly. I got to say that the end of episode two, when they brought, said, we got to go get Zemo, I was like, oh, perk up, because right now you're, you're kind of losing me a little bit. And then that that brought it back. Which, like, which is kind of ironic, at least in the sense of for all the things that they were going to go into tackle, it felt like Zemo was going to be like a thing that was like tacked on. And that yeah. would be like the flab that like, while we do love Daniel Brule and we love the character, it's just like, this doesn't need this on top of everything else, but it ultimately like saves it. Well, we um, didn't know he was, a. we didn't really know when you watched civil war, mm-hmm. you knew he was a mastermind because he pulled this off. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know if he was a mastermind who pulled it off and he was a one note guy, right? Because mm-hmm. mission, right. mission accomplished in Civil War. And so, but now to know that he's an arch villain, he's a super villain now that he's got, you yeah. know, I mean, his butt, his butler's got a detonator, right? Okay, so now we know he's all of the, he's all of the things, right? So now that you know that, it really, like my son was looking at it and he was like, I think there was a little scene, I think it was in an episode three, where he's got the purple mask and he's like, we're going to get a purple mask moment. I'm like, how do you know about the purple mask? You're, you're 16, right? <laughs> I mean, and so there were things there that sort of kept you in and the fact yeah. that he, he, you know, he was able to, he was able to carry it while we were still trying to figure out where it was going. Yeah. I got a yeah, question absolutely. for Steph. Yes. Okay. So if, 
does your opinion like it's really hard because it's purely hypothetical and you you can't really just go back and rethink this whole thing but if they don't call their shot and say all the things that they're going to do to tackle the issues that they want to tackle and just say like we made a show can't wait for you to watch would you be do you think there is a way that you would be able to watch it without like suddenly coming in with that kind of critical frame of mind before you even saw a single frame of it no, because um, let me okay. tell you why. Um, because of Malcolm Spellman already being attached to the Confederate. Fair. Okay. I also right. would say now, that once they show Sam getting pulled over by the cops in episode two, that they the way that that's framed like that is classic <laughs> storytelling. This is going to be about race, you know? Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Oh, the bank. The bank told you. Yeah, that's oh, right. That's yeah, yeah. In the very first, first episode, episode. Yeah. and also Both very crash like. Yep, there are all all of those different points. And, um, and I, and I think that, I think because they did that, it really did raise the stakes. Like, how are you going to sure. reconcile this? How are you going to tie this up? Are you willing to complete the indictment? Are you willing to, to do what very, very few programs are going to do, which is to say, Amer America has got blood on its hands and always will. And we're going to try to navigate that blood. Or are we going to have a character like Sam Wilson spend six episodes, you know, with, you know, with, with some soap and a cloth to clean, to literally, as he did, wipe the blood off of the shield, mm -hmm. <laughs> which he, he literally did that. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so once you've set that up, now we've got to. We got to see what you what you do with it, and that's and that I think that's why the bar is so high in terms of saying how are you planning on wrapping this up, um, and I still look at this by the end, and I still don't see, um, I don't see the Sam Wilson character any better or any stronger or any no. yeah. you know he, yep. he 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 didn't he didn't walk out of there. Like when you see Cap, even though he ended up having three bullets in him and Bucky pulled him out of the water, mm -hmm. he walked out of out of Winter Soldier like, okay, Chris yeah. Evans is the real deal, right? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. and the and the more I watch these films, the more I still start to believe that Winter Soldier is the best pure movie, um, even though it was way more violent and ammo and all that than I was expecting. Between mm -hmm. Winter Soldier and infinity war i mean these are the the two crown jewels of the mcu for me mm. Mm, that's interesting like i yeah those two and um even more so now i say uh ragnarok is up there too like i need most... to rewatch ragnarok because i walked the, i was it's one of my disappointments Mm, really and the reason and, and and look at the faces look at those twisted i'm intrigued oh it's my favorite what? that's the only yeah, yeah it's probably no, my favorite hear about it. i do want to hear about it though i yeah. will tell you that everybody i am in so deep a minority on ragnarok <laughs> and like people like you didn't like ragnarok like what's wrong with you man i, I, used, to, I used to i used to respect your opinion man <laughs> right i mean the reason why i didn't dig ragnarok was because i just thought it was too comical I just Fair thought enough. it was, yeah. I thought it just felt like too many outtakes. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and, I, and I've only seen it once and I saw it in the theater. So I haven't seen it again. Maybe watching it again, things will tie together because it, because now you know the rest of the story. Um, well, yeah, though, no, I, I do like to always treat like the true Thor uh, three movie arc is Ragnarok, Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
But um, I think, I mean, honestly, because I, I, I get myself in heat because uh, I, I don't, like, I think Winter Soldier is a very good movie, but I just don't put it, like, especially because we've gone through the series and we've actually done ra- our own ranking, like, movie after movie. And when I come out of it, it's not even in my top five. But it's more of a credit to, like, how many good movies. Like, I think when I look at all the Marvel films, I have them more or less tiered. And Winter Soldier is top tier, but in that top tier, it is not the top movie of that tier. But um, I think the way you describe it, like, it's the best pure movie. And I agree with that fully. Like, it's definitely I think, the one I would show to a non-comic book fan and say, exactly. hey, watch this. And I, I think the way I described it uh, in response was just, just because I think this is the most perfectly executed movie in Marvel, it doesn't mean that it is my most excited, like it's the that's one that right. I get up for. That's and right. um, that's kind of where, you know, like people will be like, why do you have Spider-Man like above that? It's like, well, Spider-Man makes me feel more. That's well, I can explain, you know what? I can absolutely explain that along those lines. And I'll tell you why. It's the, it's the movie where I recognized that, it's the best way to say this, that, um, that Robert Downey Jr. didn't own the floor. Chris Evans is mm. the biggest, he's right, the right. biggest surprise for me of the entire MCU. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. All of the different actors that you brought in at the beginning and then by the end of watching all the films, he's the one between, he and Thor, between he and Chris Helmsworth, where you look at them and you go, wow, right? Yeah. I didn't know Chris Evans Entirely. could do this. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think Captain America is the one, and also what they did to the Captain America character, like the Spider-Man yeah, yeah. character, to me, once you bring Tom Holland back in, once he makes his star turn in Civil War, you're like, okay, they got Spidey right. Yes. Okay, I'm good with that. They got Spidey right. Captain America as a character really only hit me once or twice. He hit me once in Spider-Man 187 when they fight Electro, got me again. Daredevil 227 to 233, the born again. But Captain America as a character has always been sort of a middling character to me. And Chris, mm. Chris Evans put life, because as we've talked about this, the first time I was on the show, I don't really love the movies that I didn't or love the characters that I didn't love as comic book characters. And mm. Captain America is probably the biggest character in the MCU that I like better on screen than what I read in the comic book. I think that's it also, what, um, that's what I think it goes to, like when you think about what the Captain America character is supposed to represent and why, <clears throat> excuse me, it's so impressive with Chris Evans turning in and what they do with the character in the films is just, what they succeed so well at there, they fail so often with the Superman character on screen. Yeah. In yep. making that character interesting and finding the right actor for it, or at least mm-hmm. the right combination of the actor, the story, the characterization. Still the best Superman. Sorry. Yes. Right. Still and so, um, and to that end, you know, it's just like you, in one way you can get the look and another way you can get the right character, but just like getting that all together because on paper, it's not an interesting character and what they're no. like, they're, they're just supposed to be nobility. That's and right. there's nothing fun about that. There's nothing exciting about it. But when you, you know, you have something like Winter Soldier presented and how you put a character like that through a story like that and how they come out at the end, you're just like, whoa, 
Okay, yeah. he earned it. He earned his he spot earned now. Mm-hmm. I was I was curious, um, Steph, um, in terms of film rankings, you're a part of this now. So, like, what 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 do you what do you think in terms of in terms of your favorite MCU MCU films? I've never actually asked you this question before. I'm just curious. So this is actually kind of difficult because I rarely watch those films multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes they're just not rewatchable. Um, Ooh, ouch. Uh, and I, <laughs> Ooh. I kind of get what she's uh, getting at too. No, I absolutely, I yeah, get yeah. it too. In there, yeah. you know, and in the DV, in the DVD streaming era, like, and I'm not sure how I feel about this, and I don't know how you guys watch, but mm-hmm. you know, because I used to travel so much before COVID, you know, I buy movies, and I mm. buy movies for scenes, right? right, right. So if I had yeah. to say. Like the like the rewatchability of a movie is everything. I don't watch necessarily that many movies to watch the whole movie again. I watch them for certain scenes. Exactly. And so, well, which is why Captain, which is why Winter Soldier is so great because I, it's very I am. It's a, it's got very rewatchable set pieces. Yeah, and yep. actually, yes. that's probably why I think it ranks number one for me because of that. And then comes surprisingly Ant Man two, Ooh, um, because. I think both those Ant-Man movies are actually very well done. They're, they're very yes. watchable, I think. Yes. 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 They're super I agree. watchable. And, and, I would also throw, and I would throw in there for me, um, and I it, it's funny watching them again because one of the things that you're watching in these films, not just watching these characters age over time as human beings, as like real people, because yeah. you know, Robert Downey Jr. does not look the same as he did in, no. in, in Iron Man, but also Avengers. That's still... A yes. movie. Yeah. 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 It's still terrific. And it, but it's funny. And talking about rewatchability, I think that I don't want to speak for Jerome, but I will. I think that that's so much what we liked about Ragnarok too. Is that Ragnarok? Like Ragnarok, I definitely. Well, there's, there's a lot of scenes I'll just queue up on YouTube. That's um, right. And I think that that honestly, I think with Ragnarok, that's just a sensibility thing because I think that Jerome and I both have a very whimsical comedy type like background um, and yes. stuff like that, exactly. and it very much like is. I mean, like we, I, we joke a lot. It just, about, it just completely played to like our sensibilities of what we would like in a film. And it's, we, we often joke, and by we, I mean me. The running joke on this spot is that uh, in every single character in the entire MCU, my favorite is Korg. Like when we did the bracket, <laughs> that I was gonna, that the joke was I was gonna be Korg. He's funny, win. right? I, I, yeah. I seriously, I without a joke, I, I think that I think about the line, and it's just an offhand line. It, where uh, they're going through the weapons in Thor Ragnarok, and Cord uh, picks up a like a trident, but that's wood, and it's like, ah, uh, this wouldn't be very useful unless you were fighting three vampires that were close yes. together, <laughs> which <laughs> it is like, and so again, stuff like that. I can, I think that that, mm-hmm. and usually I just say this as a way of just saying I agree to disagree, but I think that that is just something that's a matter of taste. Where like, yes. I don't yes. mind yeah. that in the takeaway from my movie because I'm more in it for the vibe than I am like not for the just for the vibe, but like I. I think honestly, just generationally, I grew up on the Apatow adjacent comedies where there was yeah. five minute, yeah. nothing but improvised scenes. And so like that, I think doesn't trip me up as much. Um, but yeah. I will say that Winter Soldier is definitely in my top, probably my top five or top three. And I think that that's also because in addition to improvised comedies, I think I also love spy thrillers like a lot. So, and, and that's it, really it for like me. That. Like I'm not a big spy thriller person. So while I can appreciate the execution and what I like see on paper is just like, this is a very excellent film. I, I just don't get up for it. And that's, that's a matter of taste more than anything else. And um, that's also like, you know, what Jake is pointing out in terms of those, 
rankings and why like different movies just hit the way they did like that's yeah. why guardians of the galaxy was just like this big epiphany for me when it came to yeah. mcu and guardians when, i didn't watch i didn't read the comics so when i saw guardians guardian guardians never quite hit me the way it hit like god you know there are people who love guardians and i was mm-hmm. like eh. i mean because once again i didn't yeah the first one is excellent yeah. The second right. one, boo, that's a little rough, but the first one is excellent. But even really the second like one has one. like moments. It does have moments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I, I still yeah. feel like for me, um, if I had to go one, two, three, I can't go one, two, three, because I, I don't have time to do that. Right. No. I mean, so, yeah. but clearly Winter, Winter Soldier, I would say Infinity War. And I'm with maybe, you on the Howard. I think Infinity War they pulled off something so difficult and they found a way to not only do that, but end the movie in a That's perfect right. way. I mean, as, and still champion of sticking the landing. Yes. I mean, yeah. I will, t- yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before there in, in, I am 52 years old. And in all the years that I've watched movies, the two most incredible moments in a movie theater I've ever experienced. And I hate superlatives. So this is why I stand by these. <laughs> one was Infinity War. I mean, I, I always, my, you know, my rule with my child, we always just always see your favorite movies opening night. If it's big, you got to see it opening night because the energy is totally different. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. yep. The reaction to people, the reaction in that film when people started yeah. getting blipped, yeah, people they went wild. I mean, yes. they were they were screaming. Yeah. It's like the scene in Hitch, you know, in Hitchcock where. Anthony Hopkins is like doing the, you know, the symphony thing when they're all screaming, when they're watching, when they're screening Psycho. I mean, people were, there were two kids behind us screaming boycott Marvel when Spider-Man got <laughs> blipped. They were, they were at the top of their lungs. They couldn't believe it. And then the other one was after Prince died, they showed uh, Purple Rain at my local theater. Mm. And it was like, it was like a concert and a wake at the same time. Like people were like sad, but they were, you know. They were, waving their arms. Yeah. they were waving their arms at the screen like we were at a concert. And I was like, this is this is really remarkable. Right. Well, all right. So I, I do want to do one last thing before we go. And um, I want to go around the room and just if there was one thing, if you had one thing to change about this series, <laughs> if you can just change one, just one. one okay. One little thing about <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What would you do? Uh, Stephanie, I'll start with you. Isaiah still being annoyed with Sam or just not giving him that, oh, thank you so much um, energy that he gave him. Like, I wanted Isaiah to keep the anger. Yep. Mm. Yep. Hey, I, I like that. I like that one. Jake, how about you? Um, I think that I would want uh carly to survive and her to survive specifically because sam let her that sam to make the decision to like not i mean i don't think sam was gonna try to kill her anyway but like mm-hmm. to let to kind of leave that open-ended because there's no i don't think there's any reason to need to resolve that especially if the rest of the flag smashers get blown up like i think it's a tried and true thing in the comics where like the villain gets foiled but doesn't die and, and can live another day i wish that they mm-hmm. left that open yeah yeah that's a that's a good one too jerome how about you uh, mine is just like there's no way they can do that because of the way Marvel works. But I I just want some way that everything you do doesn't have to be so informed by what where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Like 
I, I, I keep on throwing out this like ridiculous term of like Marvel roster management, but every time I'm like watching, I see a new character come in. I'm just like, eh, this looks like this person's in for like a six day contract. And like, this person looks like they're in for like the long haul. And this person looks like, and then you can just like, I mean, I always jump to sports analogies on this show, but you can clearly see where they want to go. And we kind of saw it like maybe for the first time in a really significant way in this series that they put their bets down on the wrong characters for some yeah. reason. Mm -hmm. And like how many like made it through or, and not even just like that they were given stories, but like literally surviving this series right. and getting to move on to like other properties. And again, like, yeah, this is, these are comic book movies, things people can come back. We don't know if certain characters are actually dead, um, but just the idea of, um, and like one thing that I think, you know, DC actually does have some level of hope in that they don't really have a plan is that right. you can you can create stories that aren't like built through this one net that has to always be connected and everything needs to like you can literally cast other characters or other actors if you want to into roles and go into individual stories and do them really well and live within those worlds. And it doesn't have to exist because so and so needs to make a cameo in the next movie afterward. And um and again like the fact that they have the system is actually like to howard's point earlier like why we're kind of stuck and we're going to keep on watching over and over till we like have our last breath because we'll just keep on like seeing what comes next but yeah there there was a there is a bit of fatigue that i feel sometimes where i'm just watching and like being like okay well maybe i'm not happy right now but maybe they'll come around because clearly like this is going to another thing and having to wait for that thing. You've hit that point a lot. And just the one thing I'll add to it is I, with this series, this was the first time that I kind of felt that fatigue. And it was interesting because I had never felt that way um, to this point, but there was a lot of that in this series. So what I hope Loki does is does something a little bit fresher and just gives it just, just I, ha I think have some fun. John Walker specifically is what brought, I never felt yeah. that either. And I kind of always, I, I didn't, I always was kind of like, I understand what you're saying, Jerome, but I don't really get that. I think what you, the point you made on backing the wrong horse is absolutely right. Because I think so much of the great thing about serialized storytelling, and this is in TV and in movies that are series, is, is that you can find out what characters work and what don't. And like, if, and I think that like, if they weren't planning for the future and they're just letting this breathe, I guarantee you yes. they would be like, oh, Carly is the character you keep going and John is the one that you don't worry about anymore. Yeah, like yeah. no one in the right mind. But the fact is that the fact that they're planning ahead is like, and actually in the early Marvel movies didn't work that way. They kind of just let the characters breathe and do what they needed to do. And I just wish that they'd be more, less proactive because it, that's just how you make better storytelling. And mm -hmm. when, when like a performance is good, even if it's a smaller character, you're like, oh shit, well, this character was small in this thing but let's beef them up in the next thing but they, they managed like they to do it like across in sequels in like different properties exactly. so like you realize afterward like like for example um the louise character in ant-man it's yeah, like yeah. everyone loves louise we're gonna mm -hmm. just like go hard yeah. on him after exactly that. or group right period yeah. right? <laughs> you know? and, and i think that like that's the great thing about serialized storytelling and when you plan everything way so far ahead for like for no reason because it's not like this is based on books this isn't game of thrones you don't need to end a certain way why mm. are you spending so much time worrying about what characters are going to definitely be in stuff in the future but yeah i, I no. think that they, they backed the wrong horse absolutely absolutely and howard what's your one thing 
do I have to have another one? Because I agree 100% with Stephanie. That, <laughs> yeah. That's what it, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. yeah. That, that's what it was for me. It was just the fact that um, I, 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 felt, I felt the personal affront of being told that, okay, if they're going to make things right, you no longer have the right to hold on to what hurt you. Um, and Isaiah Bradley, of anybody in this story, had every right to hold on to what hurt him. Um, no matter what amends they made and that what it was, what the message was, was always that, you know, that you have to let it, that this is somehow on you to let this go, that you have to believe in the American dream and that the American ethos and all these things and that the inherent goodness of America and all of that stuff. Um, and I think you could have had both. You know, I think that I, I think Isaiah had an opportunity in his backyard to say to him, like when he said, you're special, and instead they made a joke out of it, he could have said, you know, something along the lines of, but you signed on to this, just to give him a, a warning, to let him know that, you know, you still need to be skeptical of these people, right? You don't buy in all the way to this, something along those lines, and that didn't happen. And, and I felt like that was I felt that was this whole idea of the indictment, once again, of, of just not having the guts to, sometimes, sometimes you gotta carry stuff you don't wanna carry. Right. And, and they didn't let that opportunity, they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. Um, for me, so, for Sorry me, for me um, I just felt like overall, I think if you don't do what you do with John Walker and just skip everything and go to his redemption so immediately, you don't, because that's what I did. I retroactively went back to episode five and episode four. I'm like, this doesn't mean anything. It's a huge it's hole. Meaningless. It's meaningless. a huge Is it mistake. just, is yeah. It, yeah, a very vital mistake. And I think like, regardless of how you wanted to paint this character at the end, um, it's not going to change anything in terms of like, how I feel in terms of, oh, yeah, let's make him kind of like this anti-hero type of thing. It's just like, we saw what you did. And then, <laughs> and then literally in 4K, you got caught out in 4K. And then on top of that, you have your two protagonists just letting it go. Letting it go. And not saying anything. It's one thing to do it, and the but it's another to it not even address it. That's right. And the people saw him too, because once he showed up, an entire crowd was watching him in the finale and nobody mentioned the fact that, oh, hey, look who it is. Not a word. And then the gov the same government who, you know, took him out of play, they were right there too. They were they were all there. There was the senator dude and all the mm -hmm. other people. You could have entirely arrived at his ending without the big moments of four and five. Mm -hmm. Like you could have you yeah. could have been like Lamar could have been alive. He could have mm -hmm. just been super frustrated with how he's being handled and how he's being disrespected. Julia Louis Dreyfus, old adventures and new Christine shows up. Yeah. Again, I feel like that's the appropriate one because Clark. I, thought, I also think you reversed the new and the, old. Oh, it's the new the new adventures. The new of adventures old of old Christine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Right. But at this point, it is the old adventures. I like the old adventures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you could make the argument that that's Seinfeld. But right, right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, we did yeah, bring no, her no, back up anyway. again because she was fun again. Broken <laughs> reference aside, um, no, you could have just completely arrived at that same point, still had the same thing. He still would have been a foil for everyone. He still could have saved people and would have been like, Look at me, I'm doing this. 
Mm -hmm. I'm and like you think I'm doing it wrong, but I'm a hero too. We'll see who's better at this. Like this could have been the story where it's mm -hmm, like yeah. two diverging uh, versions of like what the approach should be for being a true hero in this situation. Yep. One being Falcon and one being, or sorry, one being Captain America 2.0 and uh, one being US agent. And they just come to a head of just saying like, who's better at this and who's really like, you know, so there's, um, yeah, just, but again, like it was for the sake of the moment, I guess. Oh, like, right? can so I just say moment. that that scene with you, where they call him US agent, I think now is the top spot. It be, it's now number one over numbers two and three, which are respectively, you want to be the war machine. And then if you take that, you're going to be some type of abomination in terms right, of right, shoehorning right. in the comic book character's name into a sentence. Yeah. We don't need a Captain America. We need a US agent. I love Julia Dreyfus. I think she's one of the, one of the greatest TV actresses, if not the greatest ever to live. Mm. not even she could pull that off it just was like just sounded so dumb i, I yeah. mean like we're gonna have to see a lot more from julia no, in like stuff. future things but like this had this had very collect the check energy yeah mm. yeah like she wasn't even necessarily like hamming up the scene she just kind of mm. came in and like gave you like I'm going to be like, everyone's going to know Julie Lee Dreyfus this year. Although I think based on the little things I know, and AC, you could probably eliminate this more and how she filmed it. Cause she was, she was really, she was really in Black Widow, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think Black these Widow, things yeah. were filmed like way late and like rushed because totally. it, I think that she like filmed these two. I actually do think she filmed these in one day and not because she was lazy, but because they, no, no, no. Like, that's that's you know? entirely a joke. Yeah. Like, like, obviously yeah. all of this is like making up for just a whole mishap of stuff that was out of their control. Yeah. Yeah, but, I would um, also throw one quick thing out there too when we were talking about Chris Evans before. The mm -hmm. one value of his ascension in the MCU is he was so good over all these years that that role gave John Walker enormous power as a mm -hmm. villain. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because he was so opposite of Cap. You're going, you're not Cap. You know what I mean? You're not Cap. I mean, yeah. it was just mm -hmm. really... And I, and I think that that was, once again, one of those examples of the unintended consequences of Marvel falling out of trees and landing on their feet. And, and we all benefited from that. Yeah. Who knew that yeah. he was going to be that good a character? Yeah. And 100%. Um, guys, this was a wonderful conversation. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, Howard, thank you so much for gracing us with your oh, presence. Oh, my pleasure. We did back-to-backs. I'm loving yes. that. I'm done. You did. And again, Howard. I've now softened my stance that Howard can come directly to us. Howard, <laughs> to be on the show. Howard, <laughs> an absolute you delight. Come on, we always got a spot for you, man. We really appreciate uh, uh, you coming on and giving us your knowledge and insight. Uh, where can we follow you? And uh, you yeah, where can, we, where can we see what you do? H Bryant forty two on Twitter on the Twitters. And um, I am, I'm going to go do something that I have not done. That's one of my little summer goals. Once I'm done with uh, a few deadlines, there are a few MCUs that I have not seen twice in their mm. entirety. I have not seen Dark World twice. Mm. Okay. And oh, maybe don't need to. Heart. You don't need bless to, but, heart. you know. I've not, seen, I've, I've not seen Ragnarok twice. Okay. And That's believe it or not, I have not seen Black Panther in its entirety twice. Oh, okay. So I've got a few. I'm just gonna. Re Black Panther was one that actually took me a while to watch. I did not again. want to, and not not like as a result, but just like the idea of. I think when it came out, the enormity of the moment. Yeah. I just I I actually quite honestly felt the fatigue of like I don't need to visit this for a while. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I see. I had seen it a couple of times. I mean, at, I have um, cable. Well, I, actually, I don't anymore. But I had cable, and it was on TNT a couple of times. That is yeah, the thing. TNT I, plays I've some of them. 
I've seen it in that regard, but I've yeah. not seen it. But to like sit down and put I it. I know, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I've also mm-hmm. caught it. I caught it at the beginning a couple of times because I, you know, mm-hmm. the, the old TV guy, like, oh, this movie I hate has 20 minutes left. But then after that is like, um, right, right, right. Yeah. right you come along right. and respond. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, St- Stephanie Williams, um, as always, can you just flex on us real quick with some of the stuff that you've been doing lately? But um, you can follow me at Steph underscore I underscore Will on Twitter and Instagram. I have a not Marvel comic coming out soon. Um, it's a story in Wonder Woman Black and Goat, issue number two. So mm. please uh, check that it comes out mm. July 27th. So check that out. And then hopefully by the time um, we report for Loki, I can drop like the huge news. Oh. Which I've been, been like holding on to and it's just... It's killing me, y'all. Oh. Stephanie, I'm, I'm hoping that my follow gets you to 25,000. You're at 24.9 right now. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm 9.99 to hit you over the top. No, you aren't. That'll be marvelous. <laughs> if anything, no my ongoing, like my favorite, like mm-hmm. I arc that is going on in the series is Howard uh, following a guest at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. That is my favorite. It's honestly, uh, no, I, I, you joke about it, but that is great comic courtesy. Because the amount of times, like you're on a podcast or you're oh no 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 I I, not, I don't even mean to adjust. It's a lovely yeah. thing, but like I just like the idea because especially I mean obviously this is an audio format, but I get to watch here as yeah. like the per, the guest is describing and you could see Howard like looking I'm down. Like, let me see. Make and but like I, and it's the making the announcement that I make. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm I was going to say that your favorite arc was a thing I noticed with Steph on Twitter where every like month there's a new big thing that you can't announce yet and then mm-hmm. that gets then she announces that but then by the time she announces the big thing there's another big thing that you get yeah, oh yes. totally <laughs> it's, it's great it's, it's great fantastic. it's great I, I love the camaraderie here uh jerome chang where can we follow you sir uh at black dragon roll a lot quieter on that front <laughs> oh by the way i forgot i forgot <laughs> Now, now, I'm AP, playing, I'm playing. you came out and you, I put out a tweet the other day saying that I want the glass montage about how glass doesn't hurt anybody in the MCU. Right. Oh, I threw that at, at Jerome. I, and exactly. And, and so now, now, I Jerome, I, I, job, man. I'm thinking, I'm thinking <laughs> there's got to, I'm looking forward one day to just see the montage out there because we got another one mm-hmm. when, you know, when Captain Falcon zapped through the glass and rolled oh, through, yeah. just zapped through the glass. And I'm like, glass doesn't hurt I, I am willing to put that montage together if someone is willing to put together the full listing and time codes of when these things happen. Because I've already done a full podcast where I revisit all the Marvel films and I watch it on my free <laughs> yes. time. But you know what? I will, I, will begin, I will begin that. I will absolutely we, we can We can that. work on that collaboration then. I was about because, to say, you're basically because, asking remember, a Subway guy to make sandwiches in a spare time. Like, through the whole <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so unfair. I, love- I take it. And because remember, Hawkeye goes through the glass. He's literally got shards of glass on his neck in Avengers yeah. and doesn't have right, a scratch right. on him. Yeah. See, like, uh, it, it's a very reasonable ask if you're like through the course of Falcon and Winter Soldier, but there are somewhere around two to 300 of these films at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, you we're know, getting, we're getting we're getting up there. We're, we're getting, getting up, up there, there. for sure. Uh, Jake Christie, where can we follow you, sir? You can follow me on Twitter at DJ Christie. Listen to the other podcast I do with Andre Barra called No Funkin, Strictly Monkin. It's about the USA Network original series Monk. We're in season six now. We've got two seasons to go. Really excited. Uh, but yeah, follow me there. And, um, you know, you do the rest of it. I was going to say rate you subscribe, but you're the host. <laughs> and of course, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. I will be appearing on uh, 
our buddy, friend of the show, Mariano's podcast. Oh, the rap, uh, rap names, names hey, later yeah, this week nice. uh, should be should be really fun. So look forward to that on. Sunday. Oh wait, can I do a mini shout out just because uh, he mentioned he's going to listen to this episode? So I just like just out of yeah, just because sure. uh, Jeffrey P. Nesker, uh, TFC Live, uh, all for one. Uh, I I hope you enjoyed this episode. Wow. Talk to you online. <laughs> awesome, awesome, and and um, yeah. So you could check out that shout out to Mariano and Jeff. And of course, follow the show on Twitter at MC University Pod. Really appreciate the engagement that we've been getting. Yes. Also want to say the next episode that we do is a mailbag. We will be taking questions on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and anything MCU. So just hit the line, hit any of us, hit the show feed with questions. And, we and, will and do specifically, that actually hit the show feed. Don't hit us specifically because that actually is hard to do. Oh, you can hit me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, you, or you couldn't hit AC, but do <laughs> yeah, hit at MC University Pod. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, either either Anthony Cantor underscore three. If, if there's MC any University side to pod. how much I enjoy the improv, I found out about the mailback episode through the tweet online as well. Yeah, because we normally do. Well, that's that <laughs> yeah. was the plan. I like, thought we were. I assume one. I assumed we were going to, but there's that. Whole no, thing that's a fair mean. point. I, I mean, like obviously, this is a background conversation that I love having in the episode anyway. But oh, I just sure. remember like reading the tweet, and I was like, "Oh, we're doing a mailback episode." <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm just like jumping out of these things ahead. It's all good, man. Excited to get everyone's questions. And as and as we rev this engine to our close for Howard Bryant, Stephanie Williams, Jerome Chang, and Jay Christie, I'm Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we'll talk to you next time.